Hey, this is Pastor Greg Evans from Calvary Assembly of God. I want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I pray that God will speak to your heart, that he will challenge you, and that you will be encouraged and that you will overcome by God's word and the word of your testimony. God bless you. Enjoy the service. If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans with me. Romans chapter 8. We're going to mention Romans 7 as well. And uh, just want to get into the word this morning. We've already prayed for them, but if you would, if you have a prayer list or write prayer requests down, please remember Brenda Husky in prayer. She needs a touch in her body, and God is able to do that. And please write down and remember to pray for Pastor Lamar Jacks. He needs a miracle in his body. If you do not know who Pastor Lamar is, he is one of the former pastors, long-term, faithful, dedicated pastors of this house. And uh, he was here through several building projects and helped to create this place that stands really on a hill in this community and a beacon of light. And uh, he has impacted the people of this city and this community as well as in other places of the world and really around the world through his ministry. And uh, he needs a touch in his body today. Amen. Today we are going to, at the conclusion of this message and as our altar ministry time really uh, we're going to receive the Lord's Supper together and uh, it is a moment that we will remember the finished work of Calvary how many are grateful that Jesus went all the way to the cross you know he didn't have to you can read it in scripture you can you've probably heard it said a million times but he could have called the angels of heaven he could have at any moment he could have just said "I, I can't do this You may say, well, yeah, but he was God. And of course, no, the Bible says he laid aside his ability to be God and he became a man. He had the same feelings that you and I. He struggled with the same emotions and challenges and physical pain that you and I struggle with. And at any moment, because he was God, he could have said no. I I, I wanna do that. He even went to the Father. You know this in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, Lord, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, your will, God, not mine be done. So I'm so thankful this morning for the finished work of the cross of Calvary. And that is what communion is today. The Bible says, as often as you do this, you do it in remembrance of me. As we drink the cup that represents his blood, as we partake of the bread that represents his broken body, we do it as an act of our worship and obedience and surrender to him. The message this morning is designed to point us to a place of introspection remembrance and reverence in our hearts and to prepare us for the Lord's table in just a few minutes. Last Sunday, Pastor Justin did a superb job preaching an anointed and powerfully crafted message on the advocate in agony, the Holy Spirit's work in the midst of our pain and suffering. Thank you, Pastor Justin, for preaching that message Today's message really continues that theme on of the Holy Spirit's work within us as believers, as sons and daughters of God. And I am thankful that he calls us his children. I'm thankful because it allows us to recognize and realize not just that he is a God that's all powerful, but that he is a father that is all loving. 
He cares about you. He cares about where you are this morning. He cares about what you're going through this morning. He, he desires to welcome you into his grace, his forgiveness, his love, his mercy for your life. And that's where we want to hang out for just a little bit today. Yesterday morning, very early, I received a phone call from someone, someone that she was upset. And she said, Pastor, she said, I'm talking to someone that was uh, very connected to her and her family on, on the phone. And she said, this person is very upset. This person is struggling. This person has had an experience that has now caused them to feel like they uh, are not maybe saved or that they uh, can't be forgiven for the sins in their life. And, and this person is just struggling and just upset. And I wondered if you could talk to them. And I said, well, yes, I can talk to them. Give me their number. She said, no, no, no. I want to just do a three-way call right now. So I was a little caught off guard at the very second. But I said, okay, that's fine. And so, so she puts me on pause. And then I, in a moment, hear frantic crying on the other end of the line. And concern. And then a story that, like I just shared with you, this person felt like the pain of their life, the sin of their life, the challenges that they had uh, been involved in somehow would keep them from being able to receive the grace of God's forgiveness. And after a few moments of speaking with this person on the phone and giving assurance from God's word that the love of God, the grace of God was sufficient for her sins, we prayed a prayer and that young lady recommitted her life to Christ Jesus and surrendered herself and felt a peace of God come on her that she was not experiencing prior to that. God's grace is sufficient. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to be condemned? A man or a woman, a woman standing on trial, uh, waiting for a verdict, waiting for someone to decide whether you're guilty or innocent of a crime. Worse yet, what if that crime was somehow going to end in like the death penalty perhaps? And the judge, you're waiting for the judge. Could you just imagine, nobody wants to be in that position and certainly, you know, most of us, none of us probably have been in that place of facing a death penalty, except we really have. Spiritually speaking, the Bible says the wages of sin is, but the gift of God is eternal life. The wages of sin is death. And so have you ever just thought, what would it be like to be standing there waiting for a verdict, waiting for someone to say, we find them guilty, or perhaps a judge to pronounce a death sentence? And as I was just preparing and praying and thinking about this message this morning, I thought perhaps that some of us in this room today may feel a guilt, kind of like this young lady yesterday morning felt over our past. A guilt over the things that we struggle with. I wanna give kind of a preface to the message this morning. Nothing I say should lead anyone to believe that I am giving or that God gives for sure a license to sin. Okay, there's no okay with sin. The Bible says sin will not enter into heaven. Sin needs to be identified, it needs to be dealt with, it needs to be repented of, and we need to surrender. But God's grace is sufficient. 
And there, and I'm going to try to break this down as much as the Holy Spirit will allow me this morning. And there is seemingly a fine line, at least in the natural, not so much in the spiritual, but there is a fine line between this place of obedience and relationship. And I want to try to deal with that over the next few minutes together. But I want you to know that your sins are not, your past is not your future. Your past, your failures, even this morning's mistake. (laughs) I just wanted to bring it real home and real close. (laughs) Whatever happened, whatever mistakes you've made, do not disqualify you or discredit you from the loving grace and mercy of Jesus Christ and the power of his spirit working in your life. The devil's a liar. Paul struggled with these similar feelings. Paul struggled with some things that you and I struggle with today. And I really believe the Holy Spirit allowed Paul to pen these verses and really all that he penned so that you and I can understand that we're not much removed or different than him. And he was the apostle, the great apostle. He is, he's penned a, a huge chunk of the New Testament. And we need to understand that God's grace is still sufficient This is not our main text, but I want to read chapter 7, a few verses, 21 through 25 of Romans. Paul writes this, he says, I have discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, he says, but there is another power within me that is at war within my mind. This power makes me slave to the sin that is still within me. Now, this is the Apostle Paul, and he says there is sin still within him. And that's the line I want to kind of focus on today that that we tend to, in the church throughout history, we have tend to focus on this, this kind of earning our salvation. And there is a place for doing what is right that we're going to deal with that. But we must not somehow let that discredit the grace of God in our life. Is anybody still with me this morning? We cannot allow our weaknesses, our struggles, our past, or our present trials and tribulations to discredit the grace of God in our lives. Verse 24 says, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? I thank God for verse 25, and so does he. He says, thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Paul struggles with the old man of sin, and if it stopped at verse 24, it would seem like a losing battle, wouldn't it? Like if it just said, you know, that I find myself doing the things I shouldn't do and the things I'm supposed to do, I just can't do them. And, and man, that would be a depressing scripture. That would be a depressing moment, like if we just had to take that in. And we all have found ourselves there. The things that we know to do, we struggle to do. The things that we know we shouldn't do seem to come natural to the flesh. And we just ju- jump in sometimes even without thinking and do them. And this is what Paul's talking about here. If you read in this whole section of chapter 7, verses 14 through 25, you'll see that Paul uses the personal pronoun I more than 33 times. That's pretty extensive. 
in those few verses, 33 times, he says, I. And what that tells me here in these 12 verses, that there was this emphasis on self-effort. He's trying to point out that in yourself, you cannot get victory. (laughs) He's trying to help you, and I understand that whatever your challenges are, and listen, there is no one in here that is like uh, superior to the next. There's no one, but for the grace of God, there go any one of us in this room. Can I get a witness? (laughs) And what Paul is trying to show us is that self-effort will fail you every single time. You cannot be good enough to make it to heaven. You can't do the right things. You can't, you can't earn enough brownie points with God to get in to the place called glory. It's impossible. Oh, but for the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but for the love of God that he would send his one and only son to die on the cross for our sins. Oh, but for the love of God that he would give up his life so that you and I might live forever free from sin, free from the penalty of death. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace. You can't earn your salvation. You cannot do it alone. You have to trust in the grace of God. But there's so much more to it. Because I know I'm not just talking today to just those who have yet to come into faith. There may be those in here today. There may be those watching today online that have not come into faith yet. And today's your day. I believe it. I'm believing God. I've prayed. I've asked God. And Christians all across this room are praying that if there's one person in here that does, know, does not know Jesus as their Savior, that today you would surrender your life to him. But I know I'm not just preaching to those that have yet come to faith. I'm preaching to those that are in faith today. And this word is just as powerful and just as impactful to those who will receive it. If you've known Jesus for a month or if you've served him for 50 years, you need to recognize and realize that we walk not by our own efforts, but by the love and grace of Jesus Christ. Grace is for everyone. That's a shirt that Pastor Justin wears. Grace is for everyone. And his grace this morning is sufficient for you. So the very first thing I want to help us understand today and that the Holy Spirit has really helped me to see, really, I want to kind of give some preface, preface to where I'm coming from today. Firstly, we are Pentecostal. Amen. This is a Pentecostal church. Our theology is Pentecostal. Our theology is not eternal security or uh, a doctrine that many teach and uh, of once saved, always saved. I'm not here to debate theology this morning, okay? I just want you to know what we believe. We believe that it is possible to lose or to walk away from, would be a better choice of words, this place of relationship with Jesus Christ. It is possible to be saved and serve Jesus and then to walk away from that, but that is not an easy process because of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) The Holy Spirit is constantly working in us. The Holy Spirit is constantly dealing with us. He is constantly convicting us of sin. And so we have to remain in this place of relationship, and that relationship compels us to obedience. Hello? It is possible, but church history, at least in the vein and, and uh, theological belief that we are in, historically, the church, I believe, has made it very easy 
Not, the, not that the church has this power, but the church has made it very easy to backslide or to walk away from faith based on our actions. Is anybody still with me this morning? Based on our actions. Now, actions will lead to sin. Actions are sinful sometimes, and they will lead to this backsliding process or life. But I don't believe it's easy if you've truly given your life to Jesus Christ to get away from the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's just not possible. He will always be at work in us unless you choose and refrain from surrendering daily, everybody say daily, to the power of the Holy Spirit in you. And then you can. So the Spirit is at work in us. And so this is how Paul comes to this verse one of chapter eight. And he says this, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who belong to Jesus Christ. Here's the first point I want us to make. We are in partnership in this relationship with God. You and I have some work to do. It's so easy to just get caught up in this idea that I surrendered my life at age three or age 20 or age whatever. I bowed my knee. I gave my life to Christ. I'm saved. It's done. I'm good. I'm going to heaven. I can live as I please. That's cheap grace. And God's grace is anything but cheap. He died. Jesus gave his life so that you and I could live forever with him in eternity in glory. It's not cheap, friends. So in verse 24, Paul, in his frustration, he asked this question, who will free me from this life? What life? This self-life. Who's going to free me from this thought of I've got to work this out. I've got to be good enough. I've got to earn this thing. I've got to do what I can do to, to really work out uh, perfection in my life. And so he's been trying to figure it out. He's been saying, I find myself doing the things I shouldn't, not doing the things I should. How can I get victory over this self-life that's dominated by sin? And then he gives us the keys of how we can live to overcome this question, this problem. Paul's dilemma is answered by the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Paul's dilemma is answered by the gospel. What does that mean? The good news. That's what gospel is. The good news of who Jesus is, of what Jesus did, and who we are in him. Hallelujah. It's the gospel. And he goes on to expand his answer in Romans chapter 8. And really it's the Christian's victory cry, chapter 8 of Romans. If you haven't read it lately, I want to challenge you to pick up the Bible this week, even today, and read Romans chapter 8. In contrast to chapter 7, where Paul uses this personal pronoun I 33 times, there's a word or a term he uses 19 times in chapter 8, and that is that word Holy Spirit or Spirit of God. There's a connection here. There's a connection to 7 and 8 because the connection is this. Paul's dealing with, he's, he's wrestling with this concept of what can I do, what do I have to do, how can I be better, and the, he comes to the conclusion, I can't do anything, but the Spirit of God who dwells in me is my advocate, and he helps me. He helps me with victory. He helps me with sin. He helps me overcome. He helps me to walk this walk of faith. So now, there is no condemnation. From what? From all of those things that Paul had done. 
from all of those things he was struggling with in his mind, from all of those challenges, from that attitude he woke up with that morning. Can I get a witness in this room? Hello? Don't tell me none of you woke up with a bad attitude this morning. Maybe not all of you, but some of you. I saw the scowl on your face when you walked through the door. I'm just kidding. I wasn't watching any of you. The truth is, is things happen. Problems come in. Challenges arise. Temptation comes. I thank God for the example prayer that Jesus gives us in the Lord's Prayer. And he tells us that God is holy and that his will should be done and not mine. And he says to help us. He asks God to help us with the temptations that we face. In other words, Jesus is saying we all face them. Help me overcome. Help me not to give in to the temptation, but we all have them. There's no condemnation for the self-challenges, the problems that we face in our life. However, I want us to also realize it doesn't say this. It doesn't say that there's a little condemnation. And this is where I just kind of want to put the enemy under our feet. Because this is where a lot of Christians live. A lot of Christians live in this place of a little bit. There's no condemnation except, can I get a witness? Except for this problem or that problem. Or worse yet is the problem of not just self-condemnation, but condemnation of others. It's quiet in this room now. This holier-than-thou attitude. This thought process of, well, you know, I'm a Christian and I don't do that. I'm a Christian and I wouldn't do that. Now, there are some things throughout scripture, many things that are black and white. God says, thou shalt not, you cannot do these things and I don't have a a time to teach on a list of all of them. You know what they are or you will learn if you have recently come into faith, you will understand by the spirit of God and the word of God what those do's and don'ts are. There are do's and don'ts in scripture. But I want you to understand something. You can't earn your salvation. (laughs) You must rely on this grace of God. And when sin comes and when temptation comes and when challenges come, do not give in to the condemnation or the condemning spirit of Satan that would lie to you and tell you, that's it, you failed. Like this young lady who called yesterday morning, she thought because she had made a mistake that she was hopeless now. I wish you could have heard the voice of this young lady on the phone frantically crying that I cannot be saved. I don't even know what the issue was. I don't know what she was struggling with. I don't know what had gone on. But I know this, God's grace is sufficient. And I need it. And so do you. We need it every day. We need it when we face our challenges. We need it when the enemy comes against our mind. We need it when the enemy comes against our marriage. We need it when the enemy comes against our family, our children. When he comes on us, comes at us at work, when he comes at us in the community, when he comes at us in the church, we need the grace of Jesus Christ. If there's no condemnation of Jesus Christ, then there should be no condemnation in the church. I am not. And that's why I gave the preface earlier. I'm not declaring that somehow we should turn a blind eye to sin. We must not. In fact, sin is not preached in pulpits across America enough. Sin is sin and we need to deal with it. But you're my brother. 
You're my sister. You're my friend and my neighbor. And Jesus never rejected anybody because of their sin. In fact, it was the sinners that he welcomed to his table. It was the, it was the down and out, the lost, the hurting, the dying, even those that knew better. Then he said, come on, let's have a conversation. Let's talk. Let me lead you to a place of grace, a place of victory. I said it earlier that the church of Jesus has historically been a place that leans heavy on, the pla- on this line of obedience, and we must. I'm not trying to say that we should not. We must teach obedience. We must teach, but it must be balanced with this place of relationship with Jesus, this place of grace. It's for saints and for sinners alike. You can come to him this morning and you can find hope. You can come to him this morning and you can find victory. Can I get a witness in here? You can come to him this morning and you can find deliverance from anything that has bound you up. Maybe it's a thought process that is not glorifying to God. Maybe it is a temptation that just reoccurs in your life regularly. Maybe it's something that you have never dealt with publicly or you have only dealt with privately to yourself and uh, and God alone. But whatever it is, there is a place of victory through the grace and love of Jesus today. Today. Remember, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. But it's not a license to sin. I wanna break that down just a little bit. Secondly, I wanna give you a question. Are you living like you are in partnership with Jesus Christ? I'm gonna ask that again. Are you living like you are in partnership with Jesus Christ? Now, I want to explain that. Before I got married, well, not totally, but because I lived at my parents' house still, but before I got married, I got married when I was 25, I, I was a free agent. Like, I could just make my decisions for me. I could please Greg pretty much. I mean, I had to honor my parents, but I, had, I could please Greg, you know, I could do whatever I wanted to do. If I wanted to go somewhere, I could go. If I wanted to stay, I could stay. If I wanted to spend money, I could spend money. Whatever. But when I came into partnership, relationship with Beverly, then I could no longer go out and buy a motorcycle anytime I wanted. (laughs) Not that I ever bought motorcycles anytime I wanted, but I kind of wanted to, but she don't like them. So because we're in partnership, I have to honor her. Are you, is anybody following me? I'm not, listen, if you got a motorcycle, just come and drive up once in a while and let me look at it at least. That's all I'm saying, okay? Friend, here's what I want us to get today. Beverly and I are in partnership together. I love her. I love her with all my heart. And so now I can no longer just please Greg. She can no longer just please Bev. We have to honor each other. We come in agreement on decisions, even things that we may not understand about the other one. Because we love each other, we come in agreement. We find some common ground and we build on that. 
do you catch what the Spirit of God is trying to show us today? We are in partnership with Almighty God as followers of Jesus Christ, as believers today. And though His grace is sufficient, and though He loves us with an everlasting love, we must live as we are in partnership with Him, meaning that we can't just do whatever we want to do. We need to honor God. So let me ask you another question. Do you believe this statement? that Paul gives us, that there is no condemnation in Jesus Christ. If you believe that, raise your hand. Thank you. It's healthy to have remorse in your life. It's healthy to have Holy Spirit conviction in your life. We must, especially as it pertains to repentance. What that does not look like is gloom and doom as believers. What that does not look like is when I make a mistake or when there's a challenge or a temptation in my life and I repent, the remorse should not look like me walking around for for three weeks, you know, with sackcloth and ashes and a gloom and doom face on. What it means is I immediately go to God, I bow my heart in his presence and I say, forgive me, I'm sorry. I repent and then I turn from, I exit whatever that is that I've done that I know was not pleasing to God. That's the Holy Spirit at work within me that draws me to that place of repentance. So remorse is good. Holy Spirit conviction is right, especially within repentance, a heart of repentance. But God does not intend for you and I to stay in this frame of mind of discouragement. And we are sons and daughters of God. Put a smile on your face and be happy. That's my wife's song. She's, since the kids were little, if they were crying about something, she'd, she'd walk around the house going, put a smile on your face and be happy, be happy, be happy. I don't know if she wrote it or if she heard it, but whatever. That's what she does. And I think sometimes our father sings that over us. We're dragging our feet around, or we're, we're, we're gloom and doom, and we're like, woe is me, poor me, I made a mistake, I don't know, why do I live this way? Kind of like Paul in chapter 7, I do the things I'm not supposed to do, I don't do the things I'm supposed to do. Oh, I'm, I'm a horrible person. Put a smile on your face and be happy, be happy, be happy. Put a smile on your face, friend. You're a son, a daughter of the king. His grace is sufficient for you. You are loved. You are forgiven. You are whole through the blood, the spilled precious blood of Jesus. He wants you to believe his promise. He wouldn't have written it down. This book would not have stood the test of time. This is not ink and paper. This is the living word of God. Y'all just about saw me wipe out. (laughs) This is the living word of God. It will transform you. But you have to believe what God put in it. You can't read it, get victory for a minute, lay it down on a shelf somewhere and walk away and go, well, but, but I. But my problem. But my challenge Either it's God's word or it's not. And friend, I'm here to tell you it is. It's a living word. They've tried to burn it. They've tried to destroy it. They've tried to eliminate it from history. But it stands and it's alive. And it will change you and transform you if you'll get it in. 
and apply it to every facet of your life, your home, your family, your job, your career, your future, God's plans for you, your purpose. There is therefore now, now, everybody say now, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You are free, free indeed. The question can never be, am I good enough? Of course, the answer is no. The most important question is the one I asked earlier. Are we living in Christ? You either are or you're not. I don't know. You have to determine that for yourself this morning. Are you living in obedience to his word? Are you walking in relationship with him? If you are, then the rest of chapter 8 is for you. It's the Christian's victory cry. We're going to break it down quickly here this morning. Verse 2 says this, and because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed me from the power of sin that leads to death. Because of the spirit of God, I am free indeed. Hallelujah. That's a victory I can stand on all day long, friend. Even when I make a mistake. Even when I do something that I know doesn't honor God, even when the enemy comes against me with temptation or trial or tribulation, whatever may happen, I can stand on the faith that God's word is a thousand percent true and know that because the spirit of God is in me, he compels me to a place of repentance, but he also brings me to a place of deeper relationship through my trials to a place of victory and overcoming power in my life. This is the answer to Paul's problem from chapter 7. It's the law of the Spirit of God, and it frees us. It frees him. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the advocate in our agony, and it breaks down, and it breaks off the chains and the bondages. Maybe you walked in here this morning with some kind of bondage. Maybe you came in here today dealing with something that maybe you've dealt with a long time or maybe it's a new issue that's arisen. Maybe you walked in here just feeling overwhelmed by the stresses of life. Possibly you came in here with anxiety or possibly there's some habitual sin that you need broken off of your life. Today, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can be set free. Verses three and four says this. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body, like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful natures, but instead follow the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Who are you following? Who are you following? Here's the challenge I want to give you today or the the struggle that I see so many Christians in is we're not following the spirit, we're following the world. If sin is a habitual issue in your life, it's because we're trying to keep up with the Joneses, Joneses, as they say. We're trying to do what the world does. We're trying to not separate ourselves from the things of this life and follow after Jesus. If you want victory over sin, if you want victory over challenges, walk in the spirit. Be a person of the word. Be a person of prayer. Go to church. It's quiet now. Well, church doesn't save you, pastor, no, but it helps keep you strong in your faith. This is where the word of God's preached. This is where the body of Christ resides. You know, I'm so much stronger. (coughs) I'm so much stronger when I'm surrounded by my family and my loved ones. 
I'm so much stronger when I have someone on my side. It's true personally. I'm stronger because of my beautiful wife, Beverly. I'm sad when she's not around. I don't mean sad like boo-hoo. I mean like, what's for dinner? No, I'm just kidding. I mean like, <laughs> I'm only joking. My mother-in-law's gonna get me later for that one. I'm sad like, it's kind of lonely without her here. It's kind of boring without her here. You know, I can sit in the room with her all evening long and not say two words. Well, she can't sit in the room with me and not say two words, but I can sit in the room and just say whatever. Yes, dear. <laughs> it's knowing she's there that brings me comfort. Is anybody with me? And by the way, this is just a side note. It has nothing to do with my message. If your marriage isn't like that, and my marriage is not perfect, but if you're, it needs to be. Like you need that kind of relationship with your spouse and the Holy Spirit can help that happen. But I need her in my life. I'm better because of her. I'm better because of my kids. I'm better because they're in the room with me. In fact, there's a little joke in our household because as they get older, you know, when they were little, they needed me. And I like that person. That's just my personality. I like them needing me. I like them sitting. I'll start crying if I say too much here. I like them sitting on my lap. I liked holding them. I liked talking to them. And now that they're 16 and older, they're mostly either gone or in the room. They walk through the front door. I say, hey, how's it going? Good. And they just walk to the room. And I don't see them again. For a little while, we used to see them at mealtime. They'd come out just long enough to eat. Now they just kind of take care of themselves mostly, unless we have a meal plan, like there's something that like a certain time they're supposed to be there. And so now, on rare occasion, they show their face in the rest of the house. And they come out in the evening and they sit on the couch with us. It doesn't happen often, but when it does, now they, would, they will tell you if you go to them, they'll say it happens every night. It doesn't. <laughs> but they'll tell you it does. So every time they show up in the living room, I say, I'm so glad you came out of your room. I'm so happy to have you in the house with us. I forgot what you look like. And I pick on them and I joke and they always say, oh, dad, please. But I'm better because of them. I'm joking around with them, but I sincerely love the fact that they want to be with me. I'm better because of my family. And if that's true naturally, close to home, it is true corporately. We need each other. I know you've heard me say it a million times. I know that you know I believe it. <laughs> or I wouldn't say it so much. Somebody bought me a pillow for my birthday. It says better together on it. And I like that pillow. I keep it right in my seat at my house. Thank you. I know who you were. I, I just don't want to put it out there, but thank you. I like that pillow. It means a lot to me. Yes. We are better together. I'm talking about serving Jesus. It is difficult to do it alone. Paul is grappling with this self thing, but that's because we're not supposed to do this thing alone. Yes, we have the Holy Spirit. Yes, we have God, but God gave us his church. And this ought to be a safe place. This ought to be a place where we find encouragement from each other, not judgment. Can I get a witness in here? Not challenges. When I'm weak, I need someone to be strong with me. When I'm struggling, I need someone to just lift me up. Kind of, sometimes as a pastor, sometimes you as a Christian, we feel like Moses in the wilderness, don't we? We're fighting this battle, we're getting through, and we just need 
an errand and a her to hold our arms up. We just need it. Most of us, especially longtime Christians, we find it hard to ask for that kind of help. We find it hard to ask for someone to come and stand alongside of us. Pride gets in the way. I'm about to preach in this room. I just feel like sometimes as Christians, we just feel like, well, we gotta get through this thing alone. We gotta deal with this challenge. We gotta fight this fight and nobody cares and nobody really gives a hoot about me. Nobody knows what I'm going through. And it may be true that we don't, but I want you to know someone who does. His name is Jesus. And by the gift of the spirit of discernment within us, if we're together, if we're praying together, if we're fasting together, if we're serving together, if we're studying the word together, if we're getting through life together, we will have understanding and we will hold each other up in prayer and encouragement and we will be better for the glory of God to reach the world for Jesus Christ. We need each other. This same Holy Spirit that helps us not have to deal with things alone helps us deal with each other. It helps us deal with one another. I believe as time goes on and as we draw closer to the end of time, And that could be today. Jesus could come back. How many would be okay with that? Things are going to get more challenging. And then we're going to need to know this victory cry. We're going to need to know what God says about right relationship with him. It's not a self thing. My relationship with Jesus is not just me and Jesus. It's me and Jesus first and then his church. We need each other. Someone in the body of Christ yesterday invited, I believe it was the adult Sunday school that meets in the back on Sunday mornings. You need to be a part of that if you're not. They invited all the people from that class to their home. It was wonderful fellowship. It was encouraging. It was strengthening hey i just showed up and ate some ribs (laughs) but and that's not what my strength came from my strength came from the smiles on their faces it came from the enjoyment of a few laughs together it came from fellowship with the body of christ i couldn't stay long and i left but i left with joy in my heart we need each other friends We're the body of Christ. Paul talks about this here. I don't have time to preach everything I have, but I do want to finish reading these verses. Verses three and four we've read. Verse five says this, those who are dominated by sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the spirit think about things that please God. So let your sinful nature control your mind. Let your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, letting that happen. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and to peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's law, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you who are controlled by your, uh, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the spirit if you have the spirit of God living in you. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will, be, will die because of sin, the spirit gives you life because you have made, been made right with God. Verse 11 and 13 says, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. 
And just as God raised Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit. Verse 14, just skipping down, it says, for all who are led by the spirit are God's children. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him what? Abba Father. Abba Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. I just want to try to tie all this together in closing before we receive communion together. I want you to know, friends, that there's this line. It's two tracks, really. It's relationship and obedience. And we need to keep wheels on both tracks. But you cannot have relationship without obedience, and you cannot have right, righteous obedience without relationship, both with God and with each other. And I think that this is, bears out here to recognize and realize when he calls us heirs together with him that we must live this life as the body of Christ, working things together, working out together and serving him, encouraging each other, blessing each other, and not living in condemnation, but not allowing things that are unrighteous or unholy. We should have the right, as joint heirs with Jesus Christ, the right to call things out in love. Everybody say in love. When it's wrong. If someone is in sin, if someone is challenging uh, an issue that is unbiblical, then we need to be able to go to that person in love. Because his spirit is in us and we are his children. He's a loving father. And I'm so thankful. A, loving, a true loving father doesn't disinherit his kids. They're always welcome back. Right performance will always follow a right heart. Oswald Chambers says this, you can never make yourself holy by external acts, but if you are holy, your external acts will be the natural expression of your holiness. I just want to close with a thought for those that are not in faith this morning. Maybe you've heard a lot of different concepts and thoughts this morning and you said, well, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I can be good enough. I don't know where to even start. Well, I'll, I want to give you a starting point. If you've been in this church long, you've heard me say this before, but you don't need to get cleaned up to take a bath. If you need to come to, if you want to come to Jesus today, you need to, but if you want to, you just have to step in. All you need to do is just come to him. All you need to do is just repent. Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And the Bible says you will be saved. Salvation is for you today. Maybe you need to come back to Christ. Maybe you've walked away from him. Maybe you've made a conscious decision. I'm just not going to serve him anymore. I'm, I'm going to please self. Today's the day of salvation. Come back in relationship with him. He'll welcome you back like the prodigal son. He'll, he'll say, come. He'll meet you wherever you, whenever you just show up on the scene. You don't have to get all the way to him. You just show up and say, God, I do want to come home. 
and he'll run and he'll meet you with a ring and a robe and he'll bless you today. He'll welcome you back in. That's why Paul can say, there is therefore now no condemnation. For who? For those who are in Christ Jesus. We've been set free. Come on, if you've been set free, would you just wave or praise the Lord or something? And we're truly free. We're truly free. We're not partly free. We don't have just, there is no condemnation. But some of you today need freedom. You need renewed freedom. You need freedom over some guilt the enemy's laid on you. You need some guilt over something you've done. Some people stay away from church because they know that there's sin in their life. There's something they haven't dealt with. And today's a day of freedom. You don't have to stay away from God. That's the last place you need to stay away from if there's something in your life. You need the family of God. We need to come together, encourage each other, speak life into each other, lead each other. You know, I miss the days. And I know that there were some challenges with some of this. But, and we never want to call people out or embarrass people. But I kind of miss the days in my childhood. Many of you may not have experienced this, but I remember, especially Sunday night services, it was a close-knit church family, a couple hundred strong or so. But I remember when someone knew someone else needed prayer, when someone else knew someone needed some some time with Jesus, and I'm not encouraging this this morning, but I'm just relating to what happened in my past. They'd just go to them and say, you want to go to the altar and pray? (laughs) mostly it was the older like the mothers of the church the godly women of the church and and they just had that gift of discernment the spirit and and they didn't have to know about some kind of specific sin somebody was in the holy spirit would just come on them and they'd just go march over to somebody and they'd say hey let's go to the altar let's pray you may say well that's a little far out pastor well it's just because we don't see it much so things that we don't do or see we but the gifts of the spirit the spirit of god that's in us still work in the church and certainly I'm not encouraging anyone because you need to be very clear that you are very in tune with Jesus before you do something like that. But I do want us to have the freedom of prayer and encouragement one with the other without feeling this sense of condemnation because there's a challenge in somebody's life. We need to be able to go to each other, tell each other, pray with each other, confess. The Bible talks about confessing our sins one to another. He wouldn't tell us to do that if there wasn't a place of grace and freedom. We, and I'm closing with this, don't just receive this grace and freedom. We become conduits of it. We are his arms of love extended to the world. We are his mouth. We are his feet going. And friends, today, as we receive communion together in just a few moments, I want you to invite the Spirit of God to just come and flow through you. Fill you, yes, Transform me, yes, Lord. Cleanse me, renew me, yes, but then flow through me so that the whole world might know Jesus. I don't know who penned the words. I don't know the author of the song. Jesus paid it all, but I want to read the lyrics. I hear the Savior say, thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a a crimson stain. He, Jesus, washed it 
white as snow. Verse two, Lord, now indeed I find thy power and thine alone can change the leopard's spots and melt the heart of stone. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. For nothing good have I whereby thy grace to claim. I'll wash my garments white in the blood of Calvary's lamb. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. And now complete in him my robe, his righteousness. I'll rejoice with all my might. I am now divinely blessed because Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. In the last verse, and when before the throne I stand in him complete, Jesus died my soul to save, my lips shall still repeat, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but Jesus washed it white as snow. You're free this morning through the blood, the shed blood, the glorious blood, the powerful blood of Jesus our Savior. Before we move any further in this service, if you're here or if you're online watching and you say, I need to give my life to Christ, I want to come, I want freedom, I want freedom from sin, but I want to be in right relationship with him and with his family, I, I want to have the freedom that you're preaching about, I want to know that my heart is right with Jesus. If you're here today and you want to come to Christ or come back to Christ, would you just slip up your hand? No one's looking at you. Christians are praying, and those that are coming to Christ are just surrendering their life, and I'm going to lead you in a prayer. If you're here, would you just lift your hand before we move on? I'm going to just lead you in a prayer. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Thank you. I see your hand. Is there someone else? I just want to wait on the Lord. The Lord's dealing. Thank you. I see your hand. Jesus is in this room right now. He's beckoning you. The Bible says no one comes to the Father unless the spirit that we were just preaching about draws them. Thank you. I'm just gonna wait on the Lord. Maybe there's someone in here and you're just, you know you love Jesus, but you know you haven't been serving the Lord. You're not where you need to be with God. And you want to come back to a right relationship, a strong relationship of faith. I want to pray with you too. Is there, is there anyone that would be in that category? Just raise your hand. I just want to pray with you. I'm just going to say a prayer together. Three people have raised their hand this morning. Would everyone pray this prayer? If you raise your hand, say it. The words that I say, but say it from your heart today. Pray this prayer together with me, church. Say, Jesus, I love you. Thank you for giving your life for me. I surrender my life to you. I confess with my mouth. I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I invite you to be Lord of my life. Wash me with the blood. Transform me. I surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we praise God with those three people that raised their hand? They surrender their life to Jesus. 
maybe some online. Just let us know. Email us. Praise the name of Jesus. Thank you.